What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Gospel Heard Around the World Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. That's where you get us. You can also get the appy. Get the appy at the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store. Apologia Church, Google Play, iTunes. Get all of the sermons, past episodes, and all the past uh, Redemption Radio episodes and all that jazz at, uh, let's see here, ApologiaRadio.com. If you are local to the Phoenix Valley metro situation, you can uh, get us at Sundays, 4 o'clock at Arizona Community Church. It's where we go to worship, uh, Arizona Community Church, south of Rural and Warner. Uh, So what's up? I know you guys are as excited as I am, right? We're back, and... uh, we're in a little makeshift studio right now, Apologia Radio's... Um, it's a lot of work for a makeshift studio. It, it, uh, <laughs> really? Really? After, after the hours I've spent at 4.30 in the morning, it's a makeshift studio? Well, That's th- what you call this place? I, it's beautiful, it's, but it's still got a lot of work to go, right? Okay. A- am I right? Am I right, Marcus Pittman? Okay. All right. And that's the bear over there. What's up, bear? What up, though? Are you tired, man? You yeah, tired? I'm a little bit. Yeah, I got a little rest, though, the last couple of days. I was like, I'm enough of the 9 a.m. to 4, 30 a.m. work days. Yeah. It was not good. I no. realize I'm not 21 anymore. That's what I was going to tell you. Yeah. I'm only 31. This may be harder than you think. Okay. Okay, Liam. 
So welcome back. Apology Radio, guys. Uh, here we go. Right now we are in uh, the writing room. The writer's room. The yes. writer's room of Apologia Radio's new film and radio studios in Tempe, Arizona. Undisclosed location. Secret, secret. location. Secret lair. And um, we've got a lot more work to do. Uh, we're hoping in the next couple of weeks we have the first episode um, shot on the actual studio space as it will be on a regular basis. And so right now, makeshift, we're going to get you guys an episode. Today we're going to talk about being Bonson busted. We're going to teach you how to Dougie, Douglas Wilson. We're going to go through a clip from discussions we had at the Mormon Temple in Mesa, Arizona, bringing the gospel to the Mormon community. We're going to talk about the studio. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. And uh, yeah, Marcus Pittman, man, you live here now. I did. That couch is amazing. It is. The couch is amazing. Oh, you mean like in Phoenix? Oh, I thought you meant in the studio. <laughs> oh, both, dude. Okay. Like, Marcus slept here, I think, one or two nights. Um, it's a beautiful space, man. We got like the little sound cubes up on the wall right now. If you guys could see in here right now, we got sound cubes. One entire wall in the writer's room is all chalkboard paint for us to throw up the ideas for our film production episodes, all that stuff. There's just cool little radio um, microphone po uh, posters on the wall. We have for inspiration as you walk in Apologia Studios. Um, iconic movie posters, uh, Star Wars, Batman, that kind of stuff. Comic book stuff. Comic book stuff, yeah, because uh, our goal is to bring this media under the Lordship of Christ and to do better than Christian media has been mm. doing uh, and set the standard. We're in the empire business. That's right. So the standard for the world to look at. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, Christ has all authority, right? That's the, that's the message we're constantly proclaiming. He has all authority. God saves sinners. He reconciles them to himself by his grace through faith in Jesus alone. But like that authority of Jesus in, is in heaven and on earth. And so there's no realm, no earthly realm, no idea that's not under his lordship. So that means the media goes under the feet of Jesus. Am I right, Marcus Pittman? Yes. Good. Hey, <laughs> what's up, Luke Pearson? What you got to say, man? Welcome back. Are well, you excited? Well, I, I'm very excited. Yes. It feels weird. We had like, yeah. this is what, two or three weeks without an episode. Yeah. And I was starting to Jones, like, we're going to do an episode. We were getting death threats. We, yeah, we were, people get a little upset. Yeah. Yeah. Marcus mo mostly was death threats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the blame. Yeah. And we're joined in the studio yeah. today. Luke, I will let you introduce. Okay. So uh, special guest today. <laughs> special guest. Very special why guest. You, why don't you cut your thing? Okay. I'll, I'll bring it down. Okay. Intro song. Okay. For our special guest today. Right. So Ev Everyone always gets an intro song. With us today, Hacksaw Jim Justice. How's it going? Did you say <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Justice? Yeah, yeah. There's a story behind that. Okay. So originally, here, I'll turn this on. Originally, our friend Dustin here, who's he, he, a member of our church, right? You're a member, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, well, we've had so many new people, like, I, didn't, I don't even... I don't even know. Like, I thought Rod and Rebecca were members, and they're like, no, we're not. And I was like, what? Because anyways, they're, they're kind of new. Yeah, but they seem like yeah. they're coming for Ish, them. ish. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Dustin, I almost called you Justice. Uh, he looks a lot like ha Hacksaw Jim Duggan slash Thor slash For those Jesus, of you guys. Right? Jesus. <laughs> so. Homeless Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's what Jeff called me. When we were meeting in Gethsemane, what? you said you're you're the hipster Jesus. <laughs> Rod passed me the back row that one time. That's right. So, <laughs> one time, 
before. Uh, I don't remember. I think you had just had the baby. How old's your daughter now? Four months? 11 weeks today. Okay, so you either just had the baby or you're about to have the baby. And, and my daughter, Evie, was like, um, what, what are you laughing at? <laughs> just laughing at all. <laughs> oh, so my, my daughter, Evie, who's four, she, she was talking to us and she said something about justice from church. We're like, justice? He's like, yeah, you know, justice. <laughs> I don't know. Who, That's your superhero name, dude. I don't know who, <laughs> who Justice is. And she's like, you know, his mom His mom just had the baby. <laughs> his mom? <laughs> We're like, oh, no. Dustin. Your mom did. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my daughter. Any, any, anybody that the woman, the wife, is always the mom. Yeah. It's always the mom. Yeah. So anyways, that's how he went from Hacksaw to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Now he's ha- Hacksaw Jim Justice. So Hacksaw, ha- we have to give him props for the last week. Yes. Helping to build this space. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to have gotten this done without you. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. There you go. Thank you for that applause. And uh, the, the putting the, the even the, just the television set you put up was dude was climbing on the walls uh, and like just like, <laughs> on the roof. Yeah, like we just hear banging and thought that he died and <laughs> fell several times. No doubt. No. Close to. Yeah. Close to. But. Um. All right. So hey, uh, let's just talk about what you guys can expect from us. If, if you're new to Apologia Radio, this is a ministry of Apologia Church. So this is a gospel-centered ministry of our church. We consider it sort of the outreach and teaching arm of Apologia Church. If you look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts, the accusation made against the Christians then was that it was, you are filling Jerusalem up with this teaching. And so if you look at the model that God has given to us in our New Testament of, of what um, Christian ministry, the local church, is supposed to look like, you can look at the testimony of the early Christians being something that was in public, it was in the marketplace, it was in the highest place of philosophical debate and discussion at Mars Hill, the Areopagus. It was out in the world. It wasn't myopic, it wasn't uh, in a Christian bubble. It was militant Christianity that really approached the culture with an understanding the culture had that they say there's another king, Jesus. I mean, that was the accusation being made. You're filling Jerusalem up with this teaching, and they're saying there's another King Jesus. So the world understood the message of the Christians was that salvation was only in Christ, that he had died and risen again. He was the ascended King, Savior of the world, and God commands men everywhere to repent. And the teaching of the Christian church went out into the world. So Apologia Radio is our attempt to model what biblical ministry is supposed to look like out in the world. It's just one avenue. We hit the streets, we get we get on our feet, our beautiful feet and bring the gospel into the world, all that stuff. But this this ministry in particular is a way to reach the world in a relevant, faithful way with the gospel. And so we want to bring all of media into or under the feet of Jesus. I mean, think about a second this this for a second. The the world today communicates and listens and learns I mean, admit it, primarily through media. I mean, people are on YouTube constantly, Vimeo, social media. We are exchanging information at the click of a button from Phoenix to New Zealand, the gospel, in a millisecond. I mean, click, and it's there. It's the new open-air preaching. That's exactly right. See, and right. that's oh, let's talk about that. Okay. Because you and I were in my car yes. when you were here for the God, Governments, and Culture Conference, and we had a discussion about open-air preaching. Yes. We were in my car actually driving on rural road. I remember it. Right. Because it, it stuck with me. And we were talking about how, like, you have all these different ways to preach the gospel that are that are valid, necessary, and good. 
and public proclamation of the gospel, something you were heavily involved in, street preaching, bringing the gospel into the open air and all that stuff. But you, you said something to me that has, has stuck with me and has changed my mind permanently, not away from open air preaching, but in a sense of, look, this is a valid source of open air preaching. We've got to own and, and really take dominion over as Christians and, and bring under the feet of Jesus and utilize it in the best way possible. So mm. talk about that. Cause are you talking about the horse and buggy comment? Yeah, um, I think so. But just the fact that, I mean, in the, let me just say this last comment and then you fill in 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, our videos are being played on YouTube, right? Over right we have 12,000 subscribers. Yeah. Now. Over 1.5 million views. I yeah. think by the, at this point. Mm-hmm. So, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, the gospel is being watched, listened to, biblical teaching around the world, and it's watch. It's you. You put it up one time, and now it's being heard for good. Mm-hmm. And and it's it just it, you go on the street. It's a one-time deal. Necessary, good ministry. It's one time. Yeah. It's a one-shot deal. Okay. So talk about that. Yeah. So it's like uh, street preaching is good, and it's valuable. But it's also like a horse and buggy when we have automobiles. We have other ways to do it. We have ways that can do it, can open air preach in a lot larger audience. Right. So it's like using an amplifier, using your regular voice, and now we have TV and media, and we really need to start pouring into that because God's given us ways where we can build studios really cheaply. A hundred years from now, 50 years from now, 20 years, I'm sorry, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 20 years ago, the idea that we could build our own studio for a church is just... TV studio, radio, no way. radio yeah. station. Yeah, right. no way. Yeah. I mean, Th- just that- with the millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes. And we did it re- relatively cheaply. And that will be heard around the world. Right. Right? So, so think about 50 years ago. You build a station, TV studio, radio studio, right? Yes. Exactly right. But how much would that cost? My goodness. And then you'd only have a limited reach because of costs and just accessibility. Right. Now we put this show up tonight, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And this show can be heard in Africa, in New Zealand, in Russia, the click of a button for free, right? essentially. So, I mean, think about how powerful that is. I think it's amazing. Things are getting worse. <laughs> it's getting much worse for the gospel. <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about that because I think it'd be good to add a punch there. People look at the world around us and they say, man, things are just terrible. There's a lot of destruction and misery and evil in the world. And the answer is amen. I mean, no one says that the kingdom of Christ is going to advance without struggle and suffering. But when you think about the fact that five, 600 years ago, um, you didn't just have, have access to 10, 15 different Bible translations on your phone in an instant. You didn't have access mm-hmm. to a gospel-centered radio program that went throughout the entire world. I mean, the Apostle Paul traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of miles by foot. Right. By mm-hmm. foot. And he can only, it's a one-shot deal. He gets there, he preaches the gospel, he walks away. God is sovereign, and just by the power of his spirit, did amazing things with that. But listen, we've got no excuse this day to bring the gospel into the world and the authority of Jesus in the world in a powerful, powerful way. So we're going to talk more about this, more about the gospel, more about Bonson, Douglas Wilson, and a bunch of other stuff when we come back from this little break it's Apologia Radio. That's the bear. That's justice over there, Marcus Pittman. And uh, we'll be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us. Stay with us. 
Hi, this is Warner with the Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apologia Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to I talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter. Apologia Radio on Twitter. And also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology. And we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. PaulJailRadio.com How many books do you know of that address topics of education and welfare, local government, state government, taxation, money and banking, free markets, courts, war and the military, and the executive power? How many books do you know? actually talk about these topics from a biblical perspective and set forth all of the issues, the ideas, the history, and the hurdles, and the blueprints for the way forward. Hi, I'm Joel McDermott with AmericanVision.org. In Restoring America One County at a Time, I cover all these topics and more, showing you how America was once free, how those freedoms were lost, and giving you an uncompromising biblical approach to get those freedoms back. I focus on practical steps, local solutions, personal sacrifices, and it has a multi-generational vision. So don't just sit around talking about Restoring America. Actually do something. And you can start by getting my book, Restoring America One County at a Time, at AmericanVision.org. Marcus just reminded me that was your first full 15-minute segment on Apologia Radio's history. We can just take our time. That's right. We can take a break whenever we want to take a break. That's right. So before, we used to have people that would complain. They'd say... The commercial break stuff is just so annoying. You guys, you, you stop doing that. And it's stop like, paying your bills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the thing is, is we, we didn't have any control over that before because when we actually were at a studio, they're the ones that are in charge of uh, the commercial break times and all the rest. So Enjoy it now because we're going to be on a lot of radio stations. That's soon, right. So. That's right. We can do what we want. Do as we please. Hey, Marcus. Let's take another minute because we can do what we want. We can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. Can we cuss? No. <laughs> <laughs> because what comes out of your mouth is, you know, from the heart okay. situation. Okay. Um, so there's Ooh. all that. But well, you did say whatever we want. Okay. <laughs> Talk more about the studio, what's to come, whatever. Why are we doing this? All that. Give it to us. Well, I think the idea is to have a studio... Out of a church, not parachurch, not anything like that. It's out of a church that we can use to create creative content for the glory of God with no limits. I mean, we have an amazing space here. We have a huge warehouse. We can build a, we can build a TV show. We can do whatever we want. We're going to have a 
bunch of YouTube videos and sketches and some other unannounced stuff that's really exciting. Um, I'm really excited about stand-up comedy stuff, like great stuff. Emphasis on, this This needs to be highlighted, I, I want you guys to, to listen to this. Emphasis on what Marcus just said there from the local church. That's right. I think that's powerful because yeah. let's talk for a second about the issue of accountability, the issue of authority in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of guys might have um, a podcast, a, a ministry, you know, using quotes, quotation marks, air quotes, um, and you may not know where these guys go to church. You may not be able to get access to if their at all. pastors. You may not be able to hold them to accountability, and that's let's just say it's just dangerous. It's just not Christian, and. Um, I think that that's something you should highlight. When you have a ministry like ours that comes out of the local church, you know who I'm accountable to. Um, let's just say it. I'll go ahead and say it because I'd love you to hear it. If you thought that I had sinned in some way publicly or offended you publicly, you know right where to go. Does anybody have a question where you go? Where, where, do, where would you go? If, if you knew that I, you needed to get somebody who had authority over me that can hold me accountable, everybody knows where would you go. <laughs> Everyone looks over at Luke. You go to the, you go to the bear. <laughs> okay, oh, sorry. Was that like a cir- <laughs> Was that your circus bear noise? <laughs> You're gonna come in the. Luke, Luke is accountable in many different ways and respects to a lot of different people, but specifically in the context of the local church, Luke's accountable to me. If Luke, yes, actually, yes. If Luke is, he loves it now. See, we couldn't play clips <laughs> over each other before. Now it's just gonna get. It's gonna get we're gonna have to there. restrain him. I'm gonna do like okay. every clip this episode, and then I was saying something. Okay, here we go. Okay, everybody knows that Luke is accountable to me. So if Luke sins publicly in some sense, or you feel offended by him, you know, you know right where to go. Um, and I hold Luke accountable, and I'm allowed to confront him. He's allowed to confront me. That's how this works. And um, in the same sense, Marcus Pittman is in Arizona now. You got, you guys know who to hold. Mark is accountable to. You go. You know where to go. You know to go to the elders. We have to be objective. We have to filter situations through the word. Wait a minute, God. you are my elders. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> and that was part of the package too. That's part of the package too. Oh deal. man. So, um, so, but that, that, that's important. The local church being involved in ministry and, and outreach to the world. Um, and, and even in the sense of bringing this kind of content under the feet of Jesus, we can do that. Jesus has all authority. We can do that. We can bring this media and all the rest into the, um, sorry, that was all me, into the, uh, hungry? Is that your stomach? <laughs> under the authority of Jesus. So, um, Luke, do you have any commentary on what I just said, man? Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, if I want to, on this topic, I want to recommend... Tony Miano's uh, message from the Herald Society, the second one he gave, because he spoke to this, and yes. it was absolutely amazing. And I think anyone involved in any sort of ministry or any pastor must listen to that message. Why? Because he, he talked about those twofold thing. One, he spoke to pastors who um, don't... <laughs> We don't have our cough buttons in yet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't he know. He spoke to saying. pastors. Okay, he spoke to pastors. And when I say he spoke to pastors, he spoke to pastors that don't send people out, that don't train up people from within 
to do ministry, to do, you know, obviously he's a street evangelist. So he's kind of coming from that angle. But ministry in general, he spoke to that. He also <laughs> he also spoke to um, people that do ministry and are not held accountable. They have no accountability. And this has been a hot topic of late. And that's very dangerous. Um, and so those that's those are the two things he spoke about. Yeah. Must listen to that message. I think we might. Did we share that as Apology Radio? Uh, it's up at, if you go to Jeremiah Cry on YouTube, yeah. the, whatever their channel is, they've got Tony's messages yeah. Did you get there. a chance to listen to that, Marcus? I didn't. No, that's good. Should. That's really okay. good. Quit slacking. <laughs> okay. It, okay. Because I think that we... And I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. There is a failure in Baptist culture. There has been a failure. In, and Luke and I, you, Marcus, be quiet. We've talked about this. There <laughs> has been a failure in Baptist culture, and this is a discussion that can be had just in, in regard to um, uh, the issue of accountability right. and being able to confront and challenge. And so, you know, um, I, I'll con- confess it. I mean, one of the great challenges you have in this day, and it came up very, very clearly in the Ergen Caner. Um, debacle, his situation, the uh, ability to confront, the ability to bring somebody, right. to bring charges against somebody, and admittedly, that's there. There is a there is a failure in Baptist culture that needs to be changed. Yeah. In the issue of accountability and being able to challenge, and uh, feel free to speak to it, Marcus. And obviously, we would say. I, th- I think a Presbyterian government would help too. I know, right? I know you would think that, and 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 the, <laughs> there's there's your opinion, and then there's the Bible. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm just, uh, I'm just joking. Even, no. a, even a blind squirrel finds another <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> no, but I actually I. What have I gotten myself into? There are things that I think that we can learn from each other. I mean, obviously, Presbyterians and Baptists preach the same gospel, same God, same scriptures. I think we need to learn from each other, and, and I think there is a failure, and it comes out. Can't you have a Baptist church with a Presbyterian government? I, it's, maybe it's possible. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is no, it's true, because like, we have a lot of parachurch ministries around, and you've got a lot of guys that have podcasts, and there's no way to even formally bring charges against these guys mm-hmm. in, in, in a, an effective way. And the nice thing about the ministry, like, what's happening right now what God has given to us by his grace it's all a gift from him is this ministry that you're hearing right now this is apology at church that's what this is and uh, it's ministry coming from us and you guys you guys know where to go to keep people accountable you know what our confession is um, and that's I think that's a that's a healthy way to do ministry yeah I agree I think it is and I was just gonna I just remember something Tony said correct me if I'm wrong I think he said I think he goes to Grace Community now which is Dr. Uh, John MacArthur's church but the church he was at before, didn't he say he, that his elders actually like, said he was fully qualified to do ministry, to evangelize, to do all this stuff. They all agreed and said he was good to do that, but they didn't want him to do it there. He needed to go somewhere else to do it. Yeah. And I was, I heard that and I was like, that is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my weird. entire life. That's yeah. weird. That is weird. All right, guys. So let's get into some stuff, some theological discussion. Um, Let's do, um, well, no, let's do this first because uh, it's a hot topic and I think we should address it on the show. So uh, some of you guys might have seen in the media. Bruce there, Jenner. Uh, Bruce Jenner's situation <laughs> is, is a big thing right now. But Idaho's city ordinances ordinance tells pastors to go marry, to marry gays or go to jail. So I mean, this is actually an older news story um, in, in its uh, initial um, stages. But... Um, Talk amongst yourselves. Pastors being forced uh, to perform gay marriage ceremonies. No, <laughs> just don't. Don't do it. That's that's crazy. I mean, the the arguments at the beginning of this whole movement is, 
well, what's the matter with people doing what they want in the privacy of their own homes? Mm. You know, churches, you stay there, separation of church and state, do it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of we, got gl- we got glitching going on. Going on right System failure. System failure. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. This this podcast today is brought to you by duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can't remember I what even, I was saying you, anymore. Something about um, separation marriage. of church and state. Oh, they'll yeah, they'll scream that, that from the mountaintops. You know, stay out of our business, church. But now they're right. getting all up into the church now and telling us what we can and cannot do when they just I don't know. It's hypocrisy every time I hear or read these articles. Mm-hmm. I can't my my. My heart's beating faster just because I'm thinking about nonsense like yeah. this. I wonder how many people are quoting Romans chapter 13 now. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Dag. <laughs> well, that no, I mean, just if, happened. Yeah, if you think about Romans 13, uh, the argumentation even uh, put forth in a recent debate, um, you know, we have to submit to the authorities. They're, mm-hmm. they're set up by God. You submit to them, and you ask the question, oh, uh, like— always under every circumstance is that what Mm. paul was saying was paul being descriptive in romans 13 when he talks about the role of the government um to punish evildoers Mm. um of rome of his day was he being descriptive of rome because rome was doing that i mean i think i think rome was chopping off christians heads in the first century so was paul describing rome as a godly righteous form of government that um we should all follow blindly or is in Romans 13 Paul being descript I'm sorry prescriptive saying this is the prescribed role of government under God that that is the role of government that sphere is to punish evildoers and so I mean, I mean this is something that you have to face and believe me exegesis matters theology matters you better get it right because what we have now ahead of us what we're being faced with in the western culture today is this these questions do we obey a government that tells us you must marry gays and then someone says well no you have to obey god rather than men kind of like peter said in the book of acts okay well if we have to obey god rather than men we ask the question once again taking a step down the line well what is a righteous form of government what is justice what Mm -hmm. is holiness and all the rest so we'll be right back guys more with apologia radio get us at apologiaradio.com This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. The profanation of marriage is gaining legs within our culture with the same-sex marriage debate. This is church, a gospel issue. We have to be salt. We must be light on this issue of same-sex marriage. This is Joy Tembe with Apologia Radio. I urge you guys to pray for the homosexual community. Then log on to realharmony.org to equip yourselves with the resources we've provided. This is the Ministry Bearer. Here's the issue. The same-sex attracted community has a symbol that's universally recognized. It's an equal sign. You see it everywhere. Until now, the Christian community has not had a symbol that represents true, harmonious, biblical marriage. Go to realharmony.org and buy a sticker. They're three bucks a piece. Get your church to buy them by the truckloads. Help us redeem the culture. And let me reiterate, this is not a political issue only. This is a gospel issue. Realharmony.org. All right, y'all, we're back. Apologiaradio.com. So we get us. Get the app. If you don't have it, get it. All the episodes are easily accessible on the app. 
You can get them at ApologiaRadio.com or get them at the app. They're all right there. You can download them right to your phone. And one of the first tabs on the app is all the Apologia church content, sermons, conferences, lectures, uh, renew Bible studies from Thursday evenings, and... uh, different radio programs maybe I've done, stuff like that. So it's really good uh, content and hopefully very useful for you guys. We're back, and let's talk. About what? Marcus. Oh, yes. We're going to be talking. <laughs> we got the John Barrows clip because you were talking about church authority. Yes. And so what we have here is a clip of John Barrows, who does abortion ministry in Orlando. Yeah. And the clip talks about how he was placed under the authority and care of uh, St. Andrews, which is R.C. Sproul Senior's church, yeah. and how he went before the elders and how, because he was under the church, it's given him, like, a lot. He's got a lot of blessing. And John Barros is is the guy that's in the film Babies Are Murdered yes. Here, which is made by you. Yes. And uh, Babies Are Murdered Here, get it at uh, YouTube, YouTube and uh, watch, watch that film, share the film. Uh, real fast, you and I were at a random Walmart... And we ran into somebody that uh, recognized me, and then found out we found out they were doing abortion mill ministry, and they were doing it as a result they of watching. They saw the movie. Are you serious? They yeah. did, and they were. They That's said awesome. a child was saved, like just within that like week. The, that week. When, yeah. when was that? Uh, last week. Where? Which Walmart? We were at the one here in Tempe. Are you serious? Yeah, we just were walking around grabbing That's some crazy. stuff, looking at televisions. I think. Yeah. And oh and wow. He recognized me, and then and then he starts talking about his abortion mill ministry. They saved a baby that week, and he was mentioning babies are murdered here. Wow. And here's Marcus <laughs> Pittman standing. Like, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. That's awesome. Which uh, <laughs> which mill are they going to? Uh, I think to the same one we go to. Oh sweet. Um, but but uh, John Barros is in the film Babies Are Murdered Here. One of my favorite parts of Babies Are Murdered Here is his section. And uh, he has been involved in saving hundreds of babies' lives and bringing the gospel to the local clinics in his area. And, oh, hey, Marcus, I'm right about this, right? It was the Women's Center in Orlando, and one of your initial trailers you had uh, for Babies Are Murdered here was where John Barros is outside the clinic, and a guy's walking up, and he says, say one more word, yeah. and I'll come out. That, it brought chills up my spine when i first saw that before the film even came out uh one of my favorite like commercials you did for babies are murdered here was was that one. it's murderers acting like murderers yeah exactly right and a um, lot of people don't like to talk about abortion that way no, abortion but they're murderers mur- they're yeah. going in there to kill their children what yeah. do you expect them to do yeah and so he's just vicious violent uh vile and it comes i think he spits on them yeah yeah and so that's John Barrows. Luke, you have the clip. This is about the authority of the local church and ministry. And I was going to say, John, John's there like every day, right? Pretty much. Every single day. Our day. Except for Sunday. Our, our day. And he's out there from open until the place closes, too. So he's not out there only in the mornings. Yeah. He stays out there until the women are done and they come out. And, and, you know, at first it's pleading and then it's like consoling and providing hmm. reconciliation through the gospel, which is something a lot of people don't get to see if they're only out there in the mornings. Right. They don't get to see the people come out just depressed and upset. Hmm. That's good. Okay, ready? Here we go. God is designed for us to be fed and cared for, comforted and taught, just like a mother raising a child. I remember last time I saw you, I had just gone to see the elders at St. Andrews and they had wanted me to put what my ministry was on one sheet of paper and I 
couldn't because there's way too much going on here to be able to put on one sheet of paper. So I, I put nine pictures on a sheet of paper and I um, passed them out when I went in front of the elders at St. Andrews. And, and uh, they asked, what is this? And I said, well, I, didn't, I couldn't write it on paper, so I thought maybe you would point to a picture and I could tell you that story of what God did in there. They went through it and we did a few of them. And I knew I was bearing in on their time because they were very busy there. And I said, you know, I realize you guys are busy and, uh, you know, I'll leave now and let you get about your business. And R.C. Sproul said, John, I want to hear all of them. So I went through all the pictures with them and, and they were blown away. And, you know, not blown away at me because I've never talked to anybody out of an abortion, but blown away at what God does down here at the very gates of hell. Ever since then, St. Andrew's Chapel has been just a hundred percent behind the ministry here. The girls that choose life, they bring them in. Uh, the ladies in the church just surround them with love. Our church now has a um, midweek Bible study that some of the ladies do down here at Panera Bread. Like I said before, there's women that mentor them. There's, they have baby showers for them. They uh, take care of all their needs, both physical and spiritual. And some have become members of St. Andrews now. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, when you have a church that is uh, behind you, that when I stand here on that sidewalk and I say, we can help you and we will help you, that it's not just me saying that that it's literally hundreds of people uh, at my church that stand there with me and back that promise up. There is a, um, a much bigger um, uh, conviction, a much bigger confidence when you stand here and you know that your church is behind you. You know, R.C. Sproul um, was teaching one Sunday morning on the uh, disciples going out when he sent them out and uh, that they went out in the power and authority of him and that me through the church also stands here in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. You know St. Andrews they're all behind us they're all supportive they're all uh, encouraging people to go out they equip us on Sunday morning at all the Bible studies to have weapons to be able to go out and fight this fight. And I would encourage every pastor to equip the people in your church that they might go out and do this same thing and see just what God will do. It's just absolutely amazing what he will do if we just trust him. That's excellent. So St. Andrews, not only did they do all that, he was bringing so many people from the abortion clinic to the church on Sundays that they actually bought him a van Wow! because he didn't have the room in his car to be carrying all these women to church every Sunday. Wow. So he has this nice 15 passenger van that he uses now. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what he does. Awesome. All right, guys. So the authority of the local church, all that God's doing there is pretty powerful. So let's get right into it now. We're going to now handle a couple of clips. We did a while back 
Uh, some clips that are related to bring it on down to Bonsonville. <laughs> Greg Bonson, one of my heroes of the faith and uh, um, uh, totally changed our mind in the area of apologetics and a number of things. Um, and what we want to do is play clips as we go along in the episodes of Greg Bonson teaching or doing a debate or Dr. White doing stuff or Douglas Wilson or whatever. And uh, here's, a, and, and here's a, a great clip from the classic debate, classic Bonson. <laughs> classic Bonson uh, doing a little bit of... All right, so this is uh, the classic moment during the cross-examination where Greg Bonson is talking with Gordon Stein about the laws of logic. It's epic, and you need to hear it. You should definitely listen to the entire Greg Bonson versus Gordon Stein debate. Here we go. By the way, they sound like they're uh, in an aquarium. Isn't that how debates are supposed to sound? Underwater. Yeah. No. No. Oh, it's not. Yeah. Not according no. to Marcus. Marcus would no. like them to be high quality, no. artistic, and all that. Like but, they're important or something. Yeah. But uh, mm. under, under a, in a glass bowl. I was bowl, mistaken. In a glass bowl is good. Yeah, with some goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're so snotty. <laughs> okay. I heard you mention logical binds and logical self-contradictions in your speech. You did say that? I said it, I used that phrase, yes. Do you believe there are laws of logic then? Absolutely. Are they universal? They're agreed upon by human beings. They aren't laws that exist out in nature. They are Are they simply conventions then? They are conventions, but they are conventions that are self-verifying. Are they sociological laws or laws of thought? They are laws of thought which are interpreted by men and promulgated by men. Are they material in nature? How can a law be material? That's the question I'm going to ask you. Oh, snap. I would say no. Another sign that you have an opportunity to cross-examine Dr. Bonson. Dr. Bonson, uh, would you call God material or immaterial? Immaterial. What is something that's immaterial? Something not extended in space. Can you give me an example of anything other than God that's immaterial? Lost logic. <laughs> Drop the mic! <laughs> Drop the mic moment. Dr. Bonson! So it's powerful because a lot of people haven't thought about the nature of the laws of logic and how you can account for them. So it, for some people, it might be a difficult discussion to sort of grapple with and hear for the first time. But that was a drop the mic moment. That was a womb there it is kind of moment. That was being Bonson busted. See, when Gordon Stein is cross-examining Greg Bonson and he, um, oh, well, I'm sorry, I should reverse it. When, when Greg Bonson is cross-examining uh, Gordon Stein, and he asks him about laws of logic. Are they material or immaterial in nature? And Stein says, how can a law be immaterial? What's interesting about that is because when you think about Gordon Stein being cross-examined, Bonson asks him about the nature of the laws of logic, and he asks him, are they sociological laws? Are they laws of thought? 
Are they conventions among men? Those sorts of things. And so when, bon when Stein says that he believes that the laws of logic are essentially conventional, that it, it, listen, it's a big word that just means basically that people agree upon them. So you have like sociological groups that say, well, the laws of logic work this way, and we've determined the laws of logic are this, and so that's a convention. We have decided and decreed that this is a law of logic. Okay, so they're conventional. Well, if they're conventional, then that means that different societies can create different sets of laws of logic. I mean, a society could say conventionally that it's okay to contradict yourself, that um, you know, A is not A sort of a thing, and that's okay. It's perfectly fine to do so, and we have decreed it by convention, and so therefore that's how the laws of logic actually operate. We, you can contradict yourself. It's perfectly fine. If you say laws of logic are conventional, then that's what you're stuck with. It's just what we sort of invent and decide upon as a society, and you can have, therefore, different societies that determine different laws of logic, and if that's the case, you can never chastise somebody for being illogical because they may not go along with your convention. And if you say it's a law of thought, well, now you have to ask the question, well, are these laws of thought immaterial in nature? Are they universal? Are they invariant? Are they unchanging? Are they binding upon everybody at all times? I mean, am I to hold justice over here to logical consistency? Wait, uh, are we talking about justice or justice? Yeah. Ju ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, I mean, you think about this challenge, and it's an epic moment. Because the atheist cannot account for the laws of logic, any law in particular at all. And when the atheist demands that you hold to logical consistency, when in fact his own worldview does not comport with that challenge, you've seen the collapse of atheism. And that is precisely what Greg Bonson demonstrated in the debate in the first cross-examination period when he pushes Gordon Stein and the laws of logic. Atheists cannot account for the laws of logic. They cannot justify, provide the preconditions for intelligibility of the laws of logic. And so in that opening statement, Stein thought he had Bonson. Stein thought he had him when he said, name anything other than God that's immaterial. And Bonson says, laws of logic. Because you see, we get to have that as Christians. We get to have immaterial universal, invariant truths in our worldview because of the biblical worldview. All right, guys, so that was the, what is that, the third third segment of Apologia Radio. It's been and 15 minutes. Has it really? This one's actually over, but who cares? That's right. Who cares? We're going to go a little <laughs> further. So, hey, guys, stay with us, guys. Be right back. Take a break. What you got to do, get something to drink or whatevs. Be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. Good day. I'm Adam. And I'm Zeb. And we host the Reformed and Reloaded podcast. Each week we bring scripture to bear on the news, issues, and politics of the firearm culture in the United States. We talk about manly things like berettas, beards, and biblical theology. So join us as we shoot our way through the issues of the day. It's a real blast. See what I did there? Yeah, I saw it. That was pretty good. Come on. I got Mashiach now.
If you guys don't know, this is Mata Jahu, and I gotta let it play for the next part. This is Luke. It's our favorite, right? Jokes. Radio. Apologyradio.com. That's where you get us. Hey, here's what you can do. Share an episode. Go to apologyradio.com. Pick out one of the past episodes. Share it on your social media. That's how you can join us. Or Bring like the, us on Facebook. Or like us on Facebook. Or, or subscribe to us on YouTube. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. So we're back. We're going to do some more. Let's do something else right now. We haven't actually done. I don't think we've actually done. Maybe we have. Maybe. I'm not sure what you... Why do I have... What you got up your sleeve. I, why do I have two live crew up on my computer right now? Freak nasty. <laughs> okay. Can I... I want to... Speaking of that, we were at the wedding. You, you had left the wedding, and they did some dance called the stanky leg. The stanky leg? <laughs> and I don't... I never... I didn't know what it was. And there was the lady that was serving the food. She was an older black lady. And, like, they were playing the song. And we're just kind of – all those white people were just kind of standing there like, what's happening? <laughs> she's like, y'all don't know the stanky leg? I was like, I don't know. what. She know started doing She's like, it's like this. She started doing it. And I was like, I – Did I'll you just... look at her? Yeah. Basically, they got – Did you look at her? Money, I yeah. Whenever a cop I did, writes I did down look a ticket, her. the first thing you do is you take the ticket and you say, what, y'all look at this? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, if I'd have done that, the cop did it. And Just going to look at it, Luke. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of our black listeners now. Like, you don't know what the stanky leg is? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I went over there. I'm sorry, I'm white. Yeah, if you know. Very, very much so. Right, because he had to look at it first. Yeah, if you know what the stanky leg is. Am I saying it right? Is it the stanky leg? The stanky leg. The stanky leg. With an A. Okay, stank. Ivy probably knows it. Put some stank on it. When I was in martial arts competitions, I used to shout that out when we wanted somebody to hit somebody hard. Be like, put some stank on it. <laughs> that, mean hit, that, that means hit him hard. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> put some stank on that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. So, all right. Here we go. Let's, uh, let's, let's do, let me teach you how to do something right now. Let's oh, I know what you're going to do. Hey. Hey. The stanky leg went right along with this. It did. We're going to teach you how to Dougie right now. Who are we talking about? Doug Wilson. Dougie Doug? Doug Wilson. One of my favorites. I love one of my favorite sermons Douglas Wilson ever delivered. I think we've talked about on the show was the sermon to the governor and legislature of the state of Idaho. It's in our intro, isn't it? That's exactly right. Yes, it is in our intro. Good job. That sermon changed my life. Light bulbs. It's a bomb. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty dang good, dude. Preaching a sermon in church to the government of the state of Idaho. The telling government. them they... Government. Government. In the government. 
There's all kinds of gems in that thing, too. Yes. It's like nonstop. You could just quote every ounce of it. Everybody love me. <laughs> Except the homosexual crowd at uh, Indiana University. The Gestapo? They don't like Douglas Wilson. They did not like Douglas Wilson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. How intolerant of them. That was very intolerant <laughs> of them. Um, so anyway, Douglas Wilson uh, did a few debates with Dan Barker, who actually has been on uh, my show. Um, Dan Barker, the co-president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, Douglas Wilson debated him on does the triune God of Scripture live and should, uh, what's the name of the title of it is, should religion and government be strictly separate? Douglas Wilson versus Dan Barker. It's available on YouTube for freezies, and uh, you should listen to it. This is actually from that debate, and we'll just play a couple, a couple moments of it, and we'll talk about Douglas Wilson. Christians. Bible-believing, God-fearing, Jesus-loving Christians will open the Bible and come to radically different conclusions about what is right on almost every single moral issue. Abortion rights, gay rights, uh, the death penalty. Uh, let's take the death penalty, capital punishment. Um, our state doesn't have capital this You're from Idaho. Idaho. Does Idaho have capital punishment? It sure does. Oh, it does. Yes. And you're happy about that? Yes, I am, actually. What if... <laughs> Okay, what if you were on a jury? What if you had been called by the state of Idaho to uh, to um, deliberate in a case of somebody that was convicted of murder? I was, actually, as a matter of fact. You were? Yeah. Did you find the person guilty? I was foreman of a jury that in a murder trial, and we found him guilty, yes. You did? And, and did you, were you in a position of recommending sentence? Uh, no, we were not. I can tell you what I would have recommended. What would have been? It would have been recomm- we would have recommended the death penalty. You would have? Yes. Did the state seek the death penalty? Uh, no. That was in the hands of the judge. And you think, according to Scripture, that was a morally correct thing to do, to seek the death penalty for this murder? Uh, yes, I do. Let me ask you a question, then. How many witnesses were there to the murder? There was um, there were more than uh, two or three independent lines of confirmation. But how many people saw the murder? Uh, that testified? Yeah. How many people testified that they saw the murder committed? There were no individuals, persons who testified that they saw the murder. So out of the mouth of zero witnesses? No. There, did anybody see the murder take place? No. So let me read to you the Bible verse here. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses, but one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Deuteronomy. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, or in any sin that he sinned. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And you said Jesus was referring to this when he talked about his witness not being true and his witness being true. You you would have sentenced a man to death without any eyewitnesses to the crime? There There were no eyewitnesses at all? Well, just to illustrate... Oh, uh, I don't want to try. He probably was guilty. I don't okay, care. But okay. I just want to know about the death penalty. Uh, just to illustrate, um, when the Bible tells us, for example, that we should have a parapet around the roofs of our houses, and if someone falls off and hurts himself, the owner of the house is guilty of negligence. In our society, we don't have people sitting on the roofs of houses very much. So I would take the general equity of the law and apply it to things like deep wells and swimming pools and so forth and say that we ought to have fences to keep toddlers from falling into things like that. Comparably, the Bible requires eyewitnesses because the Bible was given to us in a time and in a culture when you didn't have things like video cameras and forensic evidence and so forth. In this particular trial, that law and scripture was very much in my mind as we sat on the jury. And I was... uh, 
uh, insisting as I was going through and deliberating that there had to be two or three independent lines of confirmation. But they weren't witnesses to the murder. No, they were witnesses to the murder. But it was an entirely circumstantial case then, wasn't it? Uh, did, did the guy get the death penalty? No. No, he didn't. But you would have recommended the death penalty. Well, I, I, the point I'm trying to make is that I, I think you contradicted yourself. I think you acted in... I think the Bible tells you that there had to be two or more witnesses. You went ahead and gleefully would have sentenced a man to die by your morality when there were no witnesses. I think that's inconsistent. And I bet you there's Christians here tonight who disagree with the Dutch position on the death penalty. And the point is... What good is the Bible? What good is an absolute moral guide if no two Christians can agree what it is? What, what that actual guide is? Well, well first, it wasn't it, it wasn't gleeful. It was um, very sober and thoughtfully considered and prayerfully considered. It wasn't gleeful at all. The the thing that I would like to point out about so many Christians with so many different interpretations. We, you, you're, what you're arguing is when you have the Bible and you get two, you know, three Christians together and they start talking, you'll come out with maybe five denominations, that sort of thing. So it's not very absolute. Well, uh, I would like to suggest if you had five Bibles and five Christians and you put them into five different rooms and you came out, they came out with five or six different interpretations of the Bible, where's the variable? In the Bibles or in the people? The Bible contradicts itself. Oh, the Bible says. Now you you put the same Bible into the same Bible goes into every room. Different people go into every room. The different answers that come out of every room is a good argument for not trusting people. So, just taught you how to Dougie. Uh, so, I mean, that was powerful because I, I think it's beautiful. It, sh- it displays, I think, a powerful part of uh, Douglas Wilson's ministry is his commitment to the Scriptures as the sole infallible rule of faith and for all of life. And he is utilizing the Scriptures of the Old Testament and God's standard of justice and righteousness in a society when he says that when he was a foreman of a jury, he was appealing to, in his own mind, the biblical mandate and law that there must be two or three independent lines of testimony to confirm something. How many people would that save in our culture? How many people would have, um, people today, big hot topic today is people talking about people who are in, in prison wrongly because of the basis of one you know, piece of uh, circumstantial evidence, and it put them in jail for 20, 30, 40 years, and they, they've, they've you know, been released from jail today, and um, they're no longer there, and the state put them in jail for 20, 30 years, and now they're released, find out they were innocent the whole time, and there was a piece of evidence that put them in, of forensic evidence, but it was one line. Mm-hmm. It was one line. And God's law protects people from those kinds of things. You must have two or three independent lines of testimony and witness to confirm something. And by the way, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to, I believe, Timothy, he tells Timothy not to receive any accusation against an elder unless there are two or three witnesses. What is he appealing to? He's appealing to God's judicial law. And he pulls it over into the New Testament, and he says, oh, well, of, you should, of course, you should know this, Timothy. He doesn't say, wait, guys, hold on. I, we all realize that the Old Testament is completely defunct now, and it's over, and we don't appeal to it anymore. He actually, you, it's assumed, the assumption of continuity is in the New Testament. He assumes it. Yeah, and I'd like to add, too, that within the Trinitarian nature, yeah. God can judge someone 
because there's more than two or three witnesses within himself. Ooh. So that's, that's if you're deep. talking to a Jewish person or somebody who doesn't believe in Trinitarian God, mm-hmm. they can't hold to the Old Testament law that God would judge them mm-hmm. unless it's two or three. Powerful. Or he'd be breaking nice. his own law. Let us create man in our image. And I'd like, also like to add that I think we still can have two or three witnesses with mm-hmm. a forensic, the mm-hmm. guy who gathers the evidence and the guy who does the test mm-hmm. on the DNA. Mm-hmm. And they should be the ones who would pull the trigger. Yeah. And and, and, and what is powerful about Wilson here is that he's appealing to... So what the thing is here is what is Barker trying to do? Barker is trying to show an inconsistency in Christian thought, and Wilson demonstrates consistency. He doesn't run from it. He doesn't say, well, that doesn't apply anymore. He demonstrates consistency within the Christian framework and worldview and holds to the Scriptures and was utilizing that in his own life as the foreman of a jury, but it's powerful because um, Barker's trying to say, well, all these Christians have different interpretations. Well, here's the thing. The glory of an infallible revelation with with fallible people is that those fallible people can surround this infallible revelation, and it is the standard, not them, not their interpretations, all those. They get around this infallible revelation and are transformed by it. It's the objective standard. And so I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Douglas Wilson, you just got taught how to Dougie. All right, guys, Apology Radio, stay with us. Be right back. Marcus Pittman, Justice, the Bear. Get us, ApologyRadio.com. Hi, I'm Matthew. And I'm Sam. And we have a new podcast called the Reform Kid Cast, where we go through the catechism with our daddy. It's a lot of fun, and your kids will love it. Please go subscribe. 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 Subscribe on iTunes. We'll see you on the Reform Kid Cast. If you think it was something for me to believe God, and let me tell you something about me believing God. I can dream as long as I want to. I can believe God as long as I want to. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. You cannot stop me from dreaming. You can't stop me from dreaming. I'm going to dream until Jesus comes. And here's another thing I want you to understand. That if they discover life on Mars... If you think a $65 million plane was too much, if they discover that there's life on Mars, they're going to need to hear the gospel, and I'm going to have to believe God for a billion-dollar space shuttle because we got to preach the gospel on Mars. I dare you to tell me I can't dream. I dare you to tell me that I can't believe God. If I find Jesus, I'm going to look at Jesus until it comes to pass because with God, Dream for the best house. Dream for the best. 
Just because the world don't have it don't mean you can't have it. You are the children of the almighty God. All right, welcome back to Apologia Radio. That was Creflo Dollar Dollar Bill, y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, doesn't he have theme music? Luke, don't you got some theme music in there for Creflo Dollar Dollar Bill, y'all? I do. Yeah? Well, hey. Let me pull it up. Oh, there you know, it is You know right what's there. amazing as Luke pulls that up? Is that you guys, you're, just, you're listening to the show right now on your iPad, your iPod, your smartphone, your car stereo, your home stuff. And uh, we just actually took like a 35, 40 minute sandwich sandwich break. Mm. We just went and got a sandwich. We actually did. Some, of us, some I, of us worked. Well. My sandwich had cookies. <laughs> some of us kept working. It was an Italian sandwich. <laughs> Like my <laughs> wife used to make. Nothing, huh? I had the best vegetarian <laughs> sandwich. It was awesome. It was amazing. That's not even a real thing, going. Marcus. I had a strawberry. A sh- I had a strawberry shake. A little pastrami. I'm looking for. I had that song ready. I'm looking for. Uh, the, the moment is gone. The moment is gone. Vocabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comment vocab left on this video because it was the best. And for some reason, I can't seem to find. Vocab it. Malone. Yeah, that guy. That hip hop Christian. From from the Durban Theologian show. So y'all listen That was Creflo Dollar Dollar Bill Hey Marcus built that thing As a form of righteous mockery In like five minutes I, It was like 20 minutes Alright Cause like I heard, I, heard right. I saw the clip and like For some reason the song Dream On Just was in my head after listening to it And I was like this will be great Speaking and, of Douglas Wilson <laughs> <laughs> Wilson wrote a book About <laughs> What? <laughs> Wilson wrote a book about righteous mockery and Trinitarian skylarking, he calls it. <laughs> so that was a form of righteous mockery. You okay. actually made a pretty acceptable segue. Yes. Wow, well, that was pretty good. Well played. Yes. Thank you. I'm still trying I've to done find this, I've done this for a while. I didn't know where you were going, but you knew where you were going. <laughs> I, I did it for a bit. Oh, okay. I've done it for a while. I'm still trying to find Vocab's comments. Stop. <laughs> righteous Every mockery. Time. All right, so um, so you are, you want me to play that song or is it gone? Nah, just maybe it's gone. you know everyone's probably chomping a bit like they want to know what it was. So go ahead and just you know. Well, you gotta it. you gotta stop your. Well, I don't really have to now. I can just do it as soon as you start it. How sweet is that? Okay, so I'm gonna start it as the song's playing. I'm gonna read Volcab's comment because I found it. Okay. Okay, ready? Says, set, go. Yes. Volcab Malone says, "I hope that the first message given to any Martians would not be the prosperity gospel." If so, maybe Marvin was right all those years ago. Hey, hey, I need a dollar, dollar, dollar is what I need. Hey, hey. That's Creflo Dollar's backtrack when he walks up to preach. Hey, hey. I could just see this being played in the foyer. Of World Harvest. <laughs> Dude, you know what's funny, Marcus? Want me just to leave it? I just keep it down. Yeah. So when you first showed me that video, I thought that they were actually playing that song. Yeah. In the yeah. background, like while he was teaching. I thought that that was, I thought that's what you were showing me. I didn't realize you did it. It was mm. perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the best things to do, which will happen with Apologia Studios is righteous mockery of the charlatans, con artists, 
things like that. Yeah. A little righteous mockery. A little laughter. Yeah. That's the best yeah. way to handle them. Yeah. Yeah. Treat so, them. And that video has nearly 50,000 views in like two days. That's what I was trying to get On our Facebook to. page. Yeah. I forgot where I was going. And you can watch it <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> you can watch it at uh, facebook.com slash apologia radio. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's where it's Truth. At. That's where it's at. Preach. If you like our Facebook mm. page. <laughs> and you should like it. You should. Um, hey, hey. So there's a lot of stuff happening right now in the world. Let's do a quick current event thing. Uh, Baltimore, right now, uh, videos uh, popping up all over YouTube, uh, cell phone video and everything else of um, protests, kind of riots. Sometimes not really a protest, just riots. Uh, just people being vandals and destructive and thieves, um, destroying their own city and uh, throwing stuff through people's business windows and destroying cars and um, for really no no legitimate reason, just destruction. And uh, destruction and misery are in their paths, the Bible says. No fear of God before their eyes. Feet swift to shed blood. Romans chapter 3 is a description of humanity. And, and this is something, Luke, if you bring that down for a second, this is something that um, I think, I, I brought this up at church yesterday. Our culture today, Western culture, American culture, is struggling deeply with the issue of racism um, it is It is just, I mean, it's, it's always been a problem. I think the Civil War itself um, was a catalyst to racial tension in our nation, the way that that war took place, how it happened, the blood that was spilled over it, and those, that's a whole show to do in itself. But a, as a result of the Civil War and how slavery ended in our nation, we've dealt with racial tension on a scale that um, we really could have avoided, but here we are. And so racial tension is um, at a peak right now in our nation, and people struggle with the issues around Ferguson, struggle right now in Baltimore, and people are asking the question, how are we ever going to get over this? Now, the secularists can't answer that question in a coherent way. And why is that? Because if you approach the world with a non-Christian worldview, you have a worldview, a lens through which you look at the world and people, and what happens? Well, you see people as the product of of an evolutionary process that did not have them in mind. And so you have issues that you can study in social Darwinianism and things like that. You have people utilizing the evolutionary model to support and buttress their opinions about whether or not one person is as valuable as another. And so you have people that draw a very small circle around their race, and they say, this is, the, this is the master race, this is the good race, and you are not so human and not as much valued as I am to be. And so what happens is you have this tension within a secularist worldview where you can't really identify human beings as valuable or having dignity in the first place, but you also have the struggle in a secularist worldview where you, you have to ask the question, well, should we get along, and how do we get along? And am I better than you or not? And you have what we're dealing with in our culture today, and that's very difficult relationships between black people and white people and people of different colors, and ask the question, how are we ever going to have harmony and peace together? And the secularist has no coherent answer, only the biblical worldview does, because according to the biblical worldview, you have Romans chapter 5. All of us are from the same pappy. (laughs) <laughs> we're all that, from that was your word choice? That was my word Pappy. choice. Pappy. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we're all from the same parents. And um, so all of us come from one man and one woman. And in light of that, there is only one human race. Um, and we're all the same. We're all ha- we all have equal value, equal dignity by nature of the fact that we're all image of God. 
a black person is as much image of God as I am, and vice versa. And you go down the line and you see the biblical worldview actually responds to and gives a foundation to the issue of racial equality. And so you look at a foundational statement in Scripture that Paul makes the most Christians know, and that is there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel annihilates, annihilates the racial tensions. It's supposed to. It's, it's supposed to destroy it. We're all one image of God and one family under the same king. And let's talk about that. Like, that's an important so issue So what today. you're saying is you don't agree with kinism. Kinism. <laughs> well, let's just like, was, that, was that like where you're trying to get to? No, I didn't even think about it. Oh. But now I just got it. So, okay. And I do believe, listen, I, I've said this often. Luke's probably heard me say this a hundred times. I believe that racism and hatred for another person because of their race is one of the greatest displays of the fall. When you think about like categories mm-hmm. of sins. I think that racism and hatred for brother as a, uh, because of somebody's skin color or ethnicity is one of the greatest displays of the fall. I think it's wicked. I think it's evil and um, ought to be um, thrown under the bus. I mean, the, the issue of racism is ugly, destructive, sin, dark, hatred. And I think this, if you are a racist, if you see another person as less than you because of skin color— I want to go ahead and I'm going to go on a limb here and say that you don't know Christ. I just believe it. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. believe that a child of God that's been regenerated with a new heart can hate another person on the basis of their skin color. I think that it's an identifying mark for me of bad fruit. I don't think that fruit can be in a Christian's life. I just, I just don't. I don't believe that someone can truly know God and hate their brother. And um, racism is that. So. Now you went and made all three Kenneths in the world mad. Yeah. <laughs> if I can, I got to... <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> and continue. <laughs> um, I've been thinking about this for a little while lately about racism. I mean, I've been to Africa, Haiti, and I've never had a problem with racism, and I don't understand it. I completely agree that it, it's a huge sign of the fall. Um, but to connect it with the earlier topic of homosexuality, it seems like the new arguments for homosexuality with the Bible connect with slavery back in the day, right. how Christians said slavery is okay while misunderstanding the Bible itself. Now it seems like the homosexual, you know, that agenda is using the same arguments and then our uh, book ending it with, are you going to be on the wrong side of history? Cause that's what they did with slavery. Mm. I don't know. I've just been, Thinking about it lately and going, they're getting it so wrong because Levitical law says if any man steals another man, and if another man is found in possession of that man, both are to be put to death. So I well, that was know. the that was the argument of the Christians because we, early in America during the time of the, the Civil War, mm-hmm. there there were more anti-slave societies in the South than there were in the North. There yeah. were slave owners in the North and the South, and there were people who were professing Christians that were engaged in slavery, and people who were Christians who were opposed to and w- warring against slavery. And one of the arguments uh, the Christians were using against slavery was that um, the Bible says that it's not just an issue of let's just stop slavery, but they were saying mm-hmm. let anybody who actually engaged in the kidnapping um, and enslaving of um, 
Uh, ooh, that's the gospel train. That's the gospel, gospel train. train. <laughs> Choo-choo, everybody. <laughs> Y'all hearing the gospel train first. passing by right now. Um, but anybody who was engaged in the capture and enslaving of another person deserved the death penalty. Mm-hmm. So how's that for what the Bible has to say about slavery? Right. Um, and um, so, so that, I mean, that's important. And the Bible does, of course, have a bondservant um, mm-hmm. uh, s- situation in the Bible that was for the protection of uh, of people and for saving the poor from death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nowhere resembling anything like in the neighborhood of nothing even looking like what uh, slavery was in uh, Georgia or the mm-hmm. North in, in uh, early America. A- at any rate, here we sit and we have racial tension. Mm-hmm. And I mean, w- I saw some videos uh, from Baltimore recently where people were, uh, a, t- bla- a lot of black people that were attacking the white people that are walking by. And that's just, mm. that's an issue you have to handle as Christians. And I say the gospel answers that. Yeah. Why? Not just the issue of the proclamation of the Lordship of Christ and repentance and faith in him and salvation, but what comes part and parcel to the biblical worldview is the story of us. God is holy. We're sinners. We're fallen. We're image of God. God redeems us and joins us to Christ. And what well, you were doing a helicopter. Yeah, I think that was a wrap it up. That single. means the 15 minute oh. segment's over. Oh, but it doesn't go. really matter. Oh. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no. It doesn't matter. I can do whatever I please. <laughs> so, hey, we're going to um, come back, play some funny stuff, and we're actually going to play a clip today of a discussion I had with a Mormon who walked up to me at the Mormon Temple in Mesa. And I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, this guy supposedly has a radio program in Salt Lake City. Uh, talked to me and uh, invited me to on the show, but never called me. So I don't know. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Disappointing. <laughs> I have an Disappointing. idea. Disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Be right back, guys. Stay with us. Hi, this is Warner with Apologia Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apology Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? 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 Twitter. Apologia Radio on Twitter. And also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. ApologiaRadio.com So we were wondering when we uh, got this place what, what the gospel train was going to sound like when we were recording first episode. We've had literally days here where not right. a single train comes through. And then the day that we're filming the first time, the gospel cha- train comes through. This takes me back to high school. Some, uh, some of you guys remember I was in high school. At high school dances. High, high school, Billy. I was in high school at high school dances <laughs> you ain't doing cool. this. So we're thinking, like, what do we pants. do? Like, we should have a 
little segment we do, like where we just completely break out of whatever we're talking about because a train comes through, and so. Yeah. So we thought that we should have like songs on standby. So yes. we just break out of the show and just start dancing <laughs> the gospel train. And, Here we and go. Luke found a, another one. It's fantastic. Let's sing the gospel train. Let's sing the gospel train. Let's do it. Let's I woke up with heaven on my mind. So good. On my mind. I woke up with heaven on my mind. Preach. Lord, I dreamed of a train. <laughs> glory bound train. Glory bound. Wonder will my children be on that train? That's very important. Wonder will yes. my mama be on that train? Wonder will my mama be on? Train. That's so good. We can just play this for the whole segment. Pull yeah. this train. And just listen to it. We won't even do any talking. Don't have to. This, by the way, is Larry Sparks and the Lonesome Rambler. Nice. You know what this makes me want to do when I hear music like this? I got the keys. All right, y'all. So here we go. <laughs> What oh have God. I gotten myself into? I know, right? Welcome to Apology Radio. <laughs> That's like the fourth time you said that, Marcus. I know, man. <laughs> you signed on the dotted line already. You're stuck. Hey, Marcus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, so we, as uh, is our practice, go to the Mormon Temple in Mesa, Arizona. Every year during Easter pageant, there's over 100,000 people in attendance. And uh, we also go during Christmas time, during the Christmas lights. Fantastic opportunity to bring the gospel to the Mormon community for the proclamation of faith in Christ, the true and living Christ, and the gift of salvation through him and through him alone. Um, and so I, we have tons and tons and tons of content. Man, I have like 20 clips on my recorder. And so we'll play one right now. Um, you're going to be able to hear the traffic because we're on the street. And so you can hear the traffic going by. This gentleman walks up to me, an older gentleman, walks up to me um, and just asks me a simple question. He says, so tell me about this Jesus you bleed in. Did you cry? <laughs> That's <laughs> you hear him. I think you can hear him say it. Tell me about his Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so we, I, ch I chatted with him, and um, it's I think it's a good conversation, and uh, I'll let you hear it right now. So tell me about this Jesus you believe. That's what he said. So tell me about this Jesus you believe in. Tell me about this Jesus you believe in. The Jesus that I believe in. Uh, he's the eternal God, the creator of all things. John chapter All right. John chapter 1. He's always existed alongside the Father, with the Father, eternally God, the creator of Satan, creator of the cosmos. God created evil. What's that? God created evil. God created Satan as an angel and Satan where did evil come from? Well, God ordains sovereignly all that comes to pass, but the he evil... He ordained evil? Well, yes, he so ordained... God facilitates evil. 
No, God ordained, decreed the end from the beginning, and we... So he could have said no evil, right? Well, he could have, yes. Yeah. So why did he? For his glory, for the glorification of so the Son. God wants evil for glory. Do you, do, well, so real, real, real fast, real fast. You, you gotta let me answer your questions. You've interrupted me about two or three times now. Sorry. It's okay. No, no. So just if you let me finish, you'll hear kind of what I'm saying. So God in the Bible says He declares the end from the beginning. Do you believe that? So do you believe that God works all things after the counsel of His will? You believe He works all things? So then, what's your question? Did God need to create did he need to? No, God God, God is not, well, well, God doesn't need anything. He's perfect in himself, in need of nothing. And the other question I ask is, why did he create man? For, for his glory. For his glory. Yeah. So all-powerful, all-wise, self-sufficient God needed to create man. No, wrong, needed. No, he created because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. Yes. Okay. And part of that wanting to is going to damn a whole bunch of there will be people for all eternity that that experience condemnation to the glory of God's justice. So condemning, are you are you LDS? Yes. Okay. So, so you're saying that condemning a whole bunch of people for the sin that they love. For the sin that they love. Yep. God thinks that's all okay. Well, do you, do you believe? Real fast. You affirmed a moment ago that you believe that God works all things after the counsel of His will. So can I ask you what's your question? I'm trying to get your opinion on how this all-wise, all-knowledgeable, glorified, self-sufficient, self-existent being, mm -hmm. suddenly maybe, I guess, suddenly at some point in time, right? Some point in time said, I'm gonna create man so I can do what with him? Well, it says in the Bible, Ephesians, well, I'll answer that according to what you and I apparently agree on, that he works all things after the counsel of his will. So there's no real there, reason. So Ephesians, just... well, yeah, I'll tell you the reason right now. Ephesians chapter 1 says that he predestined us to adoption as sons, all to the praise of his glorious grace. So why did God create and save all to the praise of his glorious grace? That's why. Ephesians chapter 1. So that goes back to my original question. I guess then God needed us. No, I, den I explicitly denied that. He did it because he wanted I think to. We, yeah, well, I reached an impact. But I think I think a better question to ask would be this. You asked me about the Jesus that I believe in. According to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and Colossians 1, 16, Jesus created everything in existence, and without him nothing came into being that's come into being. Now that's the Jesus of Scripture, but that's not the Jesus of Mormonism. Oh, I disagree with that. But let me ask you. Well, no, I'm hurry to my just, just, quick, so help, me, help me understand that. Okay. The Jesus of Mormonism is Lucifer's brother. So how is he the creator of well, Lucifer? That's a statement you made. Well, that isn't that what you believe is a Mormon? That's the teaching of the church. No. So the, the Mormon church doesn't that's teach that. That's a statement that somebody made, but it's not official. Well, are we all spirit children of our heavenly Father in a well, preexistence? No, 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 change the subject. Go back. No, and, I'm in the go same back and give me chapter and verse, sure. Mormon doctrine that Jesus is brother of Lucifer. Do you deny, as someone that's a Latter-day Saint, that we're all spirit children of you're our not, heavenly Father? You're not going to answer my question. No, I am. I, I, so I, I can pull the, so I can pull the quote for you. You're imposing on me a doctrine that we don't believe in. So, so you deny that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers? No, I don't deny that. Okay, so what you I'm do believe it. that there is no doctrine. Sir, sir, if, if we're going to have a dialogue, if you'll notice something, I'm being honest and having integrity with you and going to the scriptures telling you.
telling what I believe, and you're specifically trying to evade answering the question. No, I'm saying I believe that, but there is no okay. official church doctrine. Okay, so that. so when when the church has taught Bruce R. McConkie, Mormon McConkie doctrine, is, doctrine, is he an apostle? Not the doctrine of the is he an apostle? You know how doctrine is created in the church? Sure, absolutely. Oh. But, but hold on, do, do you, do you, do you well, let, me, let me just answer the question real fast. Do you believe that God has restored prophets and apostles to the church? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is Bruce R. McConkie an apostle? He was. Are apostles allowed to lie about what, what the no, truth is? but they can make mistakes. True, they're sinners, but can they lie about doctrine? No, okay, so Bruce R. McConkie taught a Mormon doctrine that Jesus and Lucifer are spirit offspring of our Heavenly Father. I know where you're going, but let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you know how something becomes the doctrine of the church? How it becomes the doctrine of the church? Well, if you take Especially if you take if you take Joseph and Brigham, what they would say is they would say they were receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit of God. That's not what I'm talking. That's not what I'm asking. Well, say Joseph in history of the church, when he would talk, say in the um, King Fallout discourse, he would say that he received this from the Holy Spirit, and what he was giving was from God. Brigham would receive revelation and says that it was as good as Scripture, and he would have his. Um, his, his people that he approved to go through his sermons, approved them before they went to the presses in Liverpool and Salt Lake. And he said that he had never given a sermon and sent it out to the sons of men they couldn't call scripture. So he said that his sermons were scripture. You didn't finish what he said. What's that? You didn't finish that. So you took that quote out of context. What time do you get? Oh, actually, I don't know. My, my watch is dead right now. What time do you have? Okay. You see, I challenge you to what was go I home quoting and from? Let me ask you, what was I quoting from? You were quoting from Brigham Young. Where? Well, what he said. Where? Yeah, you said, I, I, you said that I, I didn't. But, but where at? Because you said I, I didn't quote all of it. So. Yeah, because, well, I can't give you the page. So how do you know that I misquoted it? Because I've read it. Okay, so. Because, and you didn't read the part where he said, and I'll paraphrase. Okay. Because I don't have any opinion. But he has to go through after saying it. And double check and make sure that yeah. he didn't say. And he did that before board. they went to the presses in Liverpool and Salt Lake. You know what? It's been fun talking to you. By the yeah. way, the Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Has it really been fun? <laughs> so, um, okay. So let me just walk through it. You guys feel feel free to jump in and, and throw out your thoughts. Um, uh, one of the the important things to talk about in the beginning portion is that you can notice that. The Mormon gentleman um, had to essentially argue like an atheist mm -hmm. um, in order to try to argue against the, the God of the Bible. And so what people need to recognize is as these questions get tossed at you, you know, evil exists in the world, so God ordained evil. And that's why I asked him, well, do you believe that God works all things out of the counsel of his will? And he says, well, yes, I do. Well, then I said, well, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. So then what's the problem? And because that's what God mm -hmm. says. And so the, 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 the essential issue here is to um, uh, don't answer a fool according to his folly and then answer a fool according to his folly. That is to use the word of God, stand on it, don't go where he goes, don't act like him, don't reason like him, but use the word of God and then even to stand in his own position and, and refute it. And so what I did there was um, answer a fool according to his folly and that's using the word of God that he says he stands on against his own question. Do you believe that God works all th things after the counsel of his will? Yes, I do. Then what's your question? Because if evil exists in the world, you acknowledge it, and God works all things out of the counsel of his will. What's that mean? 
that God is in control mm -hmm. of and has determined and decreed this. Right. So the next question is, well, then where does it come from? Well, I, if I've gotten a chance to answer it, I would have. <laughs> um, and, uh, evil exists and is as a result of our own nature and choices within us. And so God is in control of all of the world. God isn't thwarted by people's evil actions. People say, well, how's that work? I mean, like evil exists and God's in control. He's sovereign, decrees all things. Well, I'll give you an example of the best way to describe it to you is the early church. When they described the murder of Jesus, they said, gathered in this city against your holy servant Jesus, and they start naming the people, was Herod, Pontius Pilate, the people of Israel, uh, the Gentiles, to do whatever your hand had predestined to occur. The murder of Jesus, the murder of Jesus, with all those people involved, differing um, motivations, all of them, all according to the predetermined plan of God. And so God, in control of the evil actions of men, within them to do it, they desired it. God didn't force them to kill Jesus. You killed Jesus. They wanted <laughs> to kill Jesus and would have killed him many times before, tried to, and God restrained yeah. them. And it was when it was God's timing for his purpose, he allows the Son of God to go to the tree to take the curse for his people. But there's a perfect example of God's decree and his ordaining of all that takes place in the midst of the evil activities and actions of people. But again, also the issue here of um, me bringing up um, uh, Bruce R. McConkie, listen, Mormons say that the Mormon church has restored apostles and prophets to the church. So they trying to, they're trying to claim that they are biblical in the Old Testament sense. Well, okay, I'll bite. Your prophets say that Satan is Jesus' brother. And you can't say, well, he's just an apostle because apostles wrote the New Testament. And we <laughs> right. can't say, well, I know Paul said that, but come on, he's nuts, right? <laughs> he was crazy. I'm not going to buy what Paul says. They're just speaking off the cuff, right? You go, no, that's, that's inspired scripture. That's theanustas. That's God breathed. And there are copious amounts of quotes that can be given about Jesus and Lucifer being brother in Mormonism from James Talmadge and Jesus the Christ from... <clears throat> um, Joseph Fielding Smith Jr., the LDS prophet, in his book, Doctors of Salvation. Uh, Bruce R. McConkie's works. I mean, just copious amounts. But watch. When this guy walked away, Craig Ray, who's a friend of ours, a Mormon apologist, when I mentioned to him that he was denying that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers and that's official doctrine of the church, he was flipping out. He says, he yeah. says he's a Mormon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. But anyway, but again, this guy says, well, you know, Brigham said, I have to be able to correct the sermons before they go out. Yeah, he did that. If they made their way into the, to the, the press in Salt Lake and Liverpool, it's because they were approved by the people that actually looked through his sermons and approved by him. Mm. They didn't make it to the press without Brigham Young saying, good to go. Yeah. And that's what we have inscripturated for us today. Your comments, please. So as somebody who's looking to join Apologia Church, mm. Mormonism is not something you guys adhere to? <laughs> uh, you no, gotta go through the no. checklist yeah you gotta go through the checklist i'm just making <laughs> no. sure that uh, yeah, yeah make sure that's all right good <laughs> we're good okay I'm good <laughs> okay yeah. it's funny at the temple it's almost like they're told not to believe a single word we say um like everything we say is a lie so like at the beginning it's a lot of you know you don't know what you're talking about to us and we're quoting their scriptures and it's like they almost automatically think we are lying to them by quoting what their apostles and prophets all say. Um, and I came to this conclusion, I was standing at the corner there by the, uh, the Dairy Queen and these, this dad and his sons were walking out and he's got a, a shirt on that says Bazinga on it. 
I'm like, that's a sweet shirt. And I point at him. And he just keeps like marching past me. And he gets to the corner like 20 steps away and then goes, oh, thank you. And points back at me with a smile on his face. He had to digest it. Yeah, he, he didn't realize. What'd that devil just say to me? I know. What? <laughs> <laughs> you talk about the coffee devil? You talk about the coffee devil. <laughs> My favorite part of that conversation was where he's like, like you, I think you said, well, we have different doctors. He's like, we'll disagree. But anyways, just, <laughs> yeah. just, nope, move on. You want to hear the rest? Just a second. Here we go. Sure. Here's what he says. He, he watched. Now, you might think, as you listen to this, well, you're cutting him off. Well, you got to understand, he was trying to walk away at this point, but mm-hmm. he wants to leave dropping his testimony. By the way, if you're a Mormon missionary, you're trained in the missionary manuals. You're trained. If a Christian gives you a question or a challenge from Scripture you can't answer, they're trained to just avoid the question and just bear your testimony. Now, I know this because I have the manuals. And this, this guy was an older Mormon gentleman. He probably was a returned missionary. He knows what to do. So he can't answer the question. He was just offered a challenge that refuted his position. And so what's he do? He walks away, but he's not going to walk away without bearing his testimony. And so watch here. This is what he does. He, he says, okay, I'm going to leave. And he says, I'm going to tell you about the Jesus I believe in. I believe in? Yeah. Was born of Mary in Bethlehem. Is she, is she, was that the product of a sexual relationship? I'm just trying to finish my thought. Born of, born of Mary in Bethlehem. Was she a virgin? Just let me finish what I'm saying. So I want you to know the believe Jesus I believe in. Well, I, I need you to clarify. So we're not using just Christian language. I need you to say, clarify, do you believe what, what uh, Brigham taught, what the early apostles and Mormons taught, that Jesus was the product of a sexual relationship between Elohim and Mary? They, they most certainly did. Well, see, i got to go because you won't let me finish. But it's nice of you to be here. appreciate your faith in whoever you believe in. Do you take so, this and get a hold of me? Uh, you know what? Give me a chance. Give me a chance to refute it. Okay. Okay. I have a radio program in Salt Lake City. Okay. Every Sunday night for two hours. Okay. Would you like to be on it? I I would love to be on it. Because we talk about Mormons and Mormon beliefs. I'd be happy to have you as a guest. Is your phone number on there? Uh, The way to contact me is. Put your phone number on there so I can show you. Sure. And uh, we'll let you have two hours on the air, and you can talk about this all for two hours. I can't wait. (laughs) I know. He never called. He never called. He'd let you have two hours. I'm believing. You I'm believing. You're gonna believe dreaming, dreaming on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dreaming on. Dream on. Um, yeah, he never called. Uh, <laughs> so I, that's a help. I think hopefully a helpful conversation. Um, I think that we might, as a Christian, get challenged with a question like that. So God ordained evil, and the answer is, did it happen in the world? Yes, then God decreed it for his purposes mm-hmm. and glory without being the author of sin because the sin himself, he doesn't say, you do this, you be evil. It's within his creatures to do so. And, for example, the, the issue between Joseph and his brothers, his brothers sent him into slavery, his brothers wanted him dead, and Joseph says to them at the end of Genesis, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Two different activities there one unholy unrighteous evil wicked thoughts you meant evil against me god's purposes his intentions were good that's what god does it's called compatibilism y'all all All right so i think we're wrapped up for today right this is the the first episode of we got we got bills we got got bills to pay yeah this first episode (laughs) of apology radio we finished up the discussions in this 
makeshift kind of space. We have pillows up on the table <laughs> to try yes. to block some of the, the, Can't even see Marcus. the noise. Can't nope. even see Marcus. <laughs> um, but we want to talk to you guys about some beard stuff. Before. This is Apology Radio. What's Apology Radio? We're not talking about some facial hair. Um, <laughs> I've just been distracted by the glow of your beard all Thank day. Thank you, Marcus. And I feel the same about you. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because I use Yukon's beard. Yukon's beard? Yeah, Yukon's beard. And it smells delicious. Yeah. My <laughs> you okay, Luke? It's, I just got so excited. Your, your beard, your beard just tried to snatch your headphones <laughs> off your head. It, it, your beard said, let me talk. <laughs> Luke's headphones fell down to his beard just now. He said, let me talk. It's my, tur- it's my turn to talk. I actually, well, Yukon's beard oil, it serves more than one purpose. Oh, yeah? Not just for your beards. But also, I actually put it on my tattoos and use it as a tattoo oil. Wow. You do, you do that too? Yeah. I because it's essential oils. I do that also. I put that oil <laughs> on my old tattoos. Makes them look fresh and young again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank it's, you, Mortimer. It works very well for that. <laughs> I'm actually wearing it right now. As we my wife, she makes a delicious mint julep with it. Where can I get some of this beautiful beard oil? <laughs> you tell me. I, I was given to me. Yukonsbeard.com. Yukonsbeard.com. And you should try Who's the Yukon. You know, you know, you know what? You should try the Woodsman Yukon bear. That's what I'm wearing right Cornelius. now. Because you're the bear. I'm wearing Woodsman. The Woodsman. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what bears like the woods, right? Yes. I have the. Uh, I have the orange. He has the fruity ones. Yeah, they're nice. Okay. <laughs> you need. You need like a. We need one that smells of old leather-bound books. Can someone make that no, kind I've, of oil? I've asked. Uh, an old leather-bound book beard oil. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to ask them. I've, I've, I've asked <laughs> repeatedly different people for one that smells like mahogany and leather. The problem that they're having is there isn't an actual leather oil. There's oils you can use that smell similar to oil, but they can't. There's oils that you can use that smell similar to oil? That's what leather. you said. Okay. I, I, have, I, have been, I have been to the Yukon's Beard Factory. Turn some, some breads into stone. <laughs> I've been to the Yukon's Beard Factory, and I've seen magical elves that do all sorts of crazy concoctions to their yeah. stuff. So I, I bet you they could make an old bookstore. Yukon's Gold I smell. really like, and the uh, Peppermint Prospector. You know what you, you don't Yukon's Gold has frankincense in it. It does. You know what you don't want as a beard oil smell? The smell that's in Goodwill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is that smell? <laughs> it's like, it, it all smells it's the like they pump it through the vents yeah. like hotels. <laughs> It's some you kind know. of citrus cleaner or something. You, no, no, no. no. You, you could walk into the brand new Goodwill. It just opened three hours ago, and it smells exactly <laughs> like the one that's downtown. It, through, that child just dropped one on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into a Goodwill once, and there was a citrus pile. Poo. There was a pile of human excrement <laughs> on the floor. Maybe it was Ben's. And I was like, "That's where Goodwill gets their smell. That's where it comes from. That's huh? where it comes from." I don't think you've smelled a Goodwill until you've been to the one in Apache Junction. No thanks. <laughs> oh, my Lanta. <laughs> we walk in there, we buy books. They still smell of it, but my wife was looking for some blankets one time, and I'm like, mm, no, no. We're going to have to watch it, wash those like 30 times to get that smell out of there. Was, I'll tell or you what, just rub some beard oil in those, your beard. Yes, yeah, so you, you could put some Yukon's gold on it. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, them blankets got some stank on them. <laughs> <laughs> Dream on. <laughs> Dream on, baby. <laughs> All right, y'all. Catch us next week. ApologiaRadio.com. Share us with your friends, family, brosifs, everybody know. Gospel heard around the world. ApologiaRadio.com. Don't forget to get the app on Apologia Church on Google Play and the iTunes Store. Pray for us, guys. You can give to what we're doing. 
at ApologiaRadio.com. There's a donate tab there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Stay with us, guys. Keep us in your prayers. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. I want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church. So we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at ApologiaChurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory!